son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. This is the word of the Lord. So now let's pray for Liz as she brings God's word to us. Sorry. So Father God, we do give thanks for the <coughs> gift that you have given to Liz. We give thanks for the anointing that is on her. And we give thanks for the things that you have laid upon her heart, which she is to share with us. So bless us now as we hear your word. Amen. Amen. not funny. I'll have to start talking about a certain rugby tar, shall I? Oh, I know she started off well, hasn't she? (laughs) Oh dear, right. I'm going to tell you a story to start with. And uh, it's a story I've told you before. Um, So if you're sitting there with a little sense of deja vu, you haven't gone mad. I have told you this before. I just like it. Um, So I'm going to tell it you again. Ewan, a while ago, came home from school. I say a while like it was two weeks ago. It's probably like two years ago. He looks a bit scared now about what I'm about to say. But he came home from school and he says, Mam, Mam, he says, do you know what? He says, what? He says, we've all got a bucket. And I thought, okay. <laughs> Sorry, you can't see his face. <laughs> we've all got a bucket, he says. He says, it's a kindness bucket. He said, and every time you do something kind for somebody or something good, you fill up their bucket just a little bit. He says, but if you do something naughty or you do something that's unkind, you have to, you're tipping out a little bit of your bucket. And so we have to think whether or not we're going to be bucket tippers or bucket fillers. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. I like it. It's a lovely image, isn't it? Of kindness, just being something that we kind of, little things that we do for one another. Kindness as a fruit of the spirit is just a little bit nicer than some of the other ones, isn't it? I mean, it's not quite the heavy hitters of kind of having to think about joy in the face of suffering. Or last week, like patience, I so ducked out of that one because I've got none. Um, (laughs) But kindness, kindness is all right, isn't it? We can talk about just being generally nice to each other. You know, maybe a few random acts of kindness. You know, being a little bit smiling at a stranger, opening a door for somebody. We can pat ourselves on the back, feel nice, and we can all go home. How about that? No. No. If you came here tonight wanting the fluffy, fluffy, nicey-nicey version of um, kindness, there are two things going on. You've either never met me, which is also fine, 
um, or, and uh, probably worse, you're going to be sadly disappointed <laughs> with about from what's about to follow. Because when we think about kindness as a fruit of the Spirit, we're not talking about this kind of worldly being nice to each other. We're not talking about like a little bit of bucket filling rather than bucket tipping. Kindness as a fruit of the spirit is something that is hard and it's gritty and it's challenging. And it's all those things because it grows the kingdom. And that's, well, I think that's what we're all here for, isn't it? Kindness as a fruit of the spirit is really challenging, but as I were reading tonight, and I know it's odd, isn't it? Talk about fruit of the spirit and then pick a reading from the Old Testament. Um, but I think our reading tonight shows us that when we, when we bear that kind of kindness, it is so incredibly powerful. And I don't know how many of you will have read tonight's reading before. Um, maybe you already know the story of Saul and David and Jonathan. Maybe you remember a bit of it from 1 Samuel where we studied it a couple of years ago. Maybe you are sitting there thinking, I have got no idea what she's talking about. That is all okay. The story essentially goes like this, and I paraphrase. But there was once a guy called Saul, okay? And Saul had a son called Jonathan, His son Jonathan's best friend was another guy called David. Saul just so happened to be the king of Israel. But he was a naughty boy. So God says to Saul, Saul, you've been a little bit of a naughty boy one too many times now. I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and I'm going to give it to David who is in another tribe. Now understandably, this makes Saul just a little bit cross. And he spends an awful lot of time not liking David. But David is Jonathan's friend. Not just any old friends. They are BFFs, if you will. They are proper best friends. But it all gets a little bit awkward when your best friend's dad spends most of his time trying to kill you. So David and Jonathan decide in the middle of it all that they're going to make a covenant with one another. They're going to make a promise, if you will, that they will always show love and kindness to each other and to each other's families. Okay? Are we there? Fast forward a few years. Saul and Jonathan are now dead. David, I've got to get this the right way around. David is now the new king of Israel. Now, one of the perks of being the new king of Israel is that you get to nip out and massacre anybody who has any connection to the previous king's dynasty. And this is where we get to to start today's reading. David, as the new king, um, asks his people, is there anyone left in Saul's household? Now, you would be forgiven for thinking that he wants to know this so that he can go and find them and kill them. But if you read the other half of the sentence, he says, Is there anybody left in Saul's household so that I might go and show them kindness for Jonathan's sake? And what this shows us in that moment is that true kindness 
comes as the result of a covenant. David, and no, not David, he's not dead. He's the new king. I knew it would happen. (laughs) Saul and Jonathan are both dead. Nobody would really know if he didn't honor the covenant. And yet David's first priority is to do just that. It is to honor the covenant that he made with his best friend to show his family kindness. And this is at great risk of himself. I mean, I don't know how much fun it was, but they didn't just nip out and massacre everybody for fun. They did it so that they wouldn't have an uprising. But David doesn't do this. He first honors his promise to his friend. So for poor old, oh, see, I nearly said it really quickly. I started to think about it. Mosheba, yeah, what they said, what you said and all. (laughs) I will not tell you how many times it took me to record the reading this week. (laughs) Tears were shed. (laughs) Anywho, I digress. For him, for Saul's, uh, for Jonathan's son, this this is kind of like the case of it's not what you know, it's who you know. I um, I remember going to Merthyr, I know, years ago now, and uh, I remember going into one of the schools and uh, just the look of sheer scepticism when I opened my mouth and my very English accent came out. Believe it or not, it was more English then than it is now. And uh, they just kind of looked at me and so the kind of awkward small talk ensues with this kind of looking at each other, who let the English one in? And then one of the guys there just had this light bulb moment and he just went, I know who you are. You're married to Chris and Beth's boy. And I went, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I am. Oh, yeah, that's all right. Then he says, come with me, love. He says, we'll look after you. (laughs) It had absolutely nothing to do with who I was and everything to do with my family name. And this is essentially where Jonathan's son finds himself. He finds himself um, being the benefactor of David's kindness because of a promise that he had made with his dad. It was a promise that had endured over the years. Like I say, the other guys are dead now. There was no time limit on it. It didn't expire. The promise was honored the kindness shown because of the covenant that was made. And David and uh, Jonathan, when they made their covenant, David made the covenant with Jonathan because he wanted to show in some way almost, you know, like how you pay it forward. You know what I mean when I say pay it forward? It's almost like David was paying forward the kindness because he kind of says, and again I paraphrase, he kind of sort of says to him, what can I do to show the kindness that God has shown me to someone else? And so he makes this covenant with Jonathan that he will show him kindness. The kind, oh, the kind of kindness that we need to be showing one another when we talk about the fruit of kindness is the kindness that comes from a covenant promise. And it's not the covenant promise that David and Jonathan make with one another. It's the covenant promise that exists between us and God. We are called to show kindness to one another because of the covenant that exists between us and God. 
The day that you became a Christian, the day that any of us became a Christian, the day that we accepted God's unconditional love for us, our salvation, his forgiveness, we entered into a covenant. God gave us all that he gives us, and we promised to follow him. We signed up, if you will, to be his disciples, to follow in his footsteps and to love and serve other people in his name. That is the kindness that we are called to show other people. Our kindness isn't motivated by us just wanting to do something nice or feel good about ourselves. It's motivated because of the covenant between us and God. And because it's a covenant and it's not just being nice, there is no time limit. It endures. When Jonathan's son comes and David welcomes him in, he, he gives him a place at his table. He doesn't just say, well, have a good feed, love, and then we're kicking you out. He says, come and sit at the table and eat at the table your whole life. And is that not what God has said to us? When we entered into the covenant with God, so we were invited to sit at his table and to come into relationship with him. David draws Jonathan's son into relationship with him as the king. When we show kindness to others, it comes from the covenant promise that we have with God, but it should be motivated by our desire to want that person to be brought in, to sit at the table of the king and eat with him. That one day we would all eat and drink at the king's table and not just for one meal, but for all of eternity. Because that is the power of kindness shown to others in the name of the covenant promise. David's kindness to Jonathan's son came from the covenant that he made with his father. The kindness that we are called to share with others comes from the covenant promise that we have with our heavenly father. And that means that not only is kindness... uh, I was going to say a Bible, but it comes from our covenant promise. It endures forever, but it's also unexpected. Like I say, David, as the new king, uh, has every right to go and kill anyone left of Saul's family, of his kingdom, uh, as his son there. He, he is in hiding. Not very good hiding, by the way, is it? Because the servant knew where he was. But he was in hiding. He thought that if somebody knew where he was, he was going to be killed. He comes before David and David says, do not be afraid. And we've spoken of my skepticism of people who say, don't be afraid before. But he says, don't be afraid. So um, he must have been scared. He must have thought that his life was in danger. And yet he comes before David and David says, don't be afraid I'm going to show you kindness because of your dad. It's all going to be okay. I would love to have been a fly on the wall at that point. I don't know how many people would have been there, but could you imagine the jaws just dropping of going, you are, you're going to let him live. 
You know, he is there. He is the grandson of the last king. The other guys are dead. He is the, the next living heir to the kingdom. And there are plenty of people knocking around who think the kingdom should still be Saul's. You know, there is a real, um, there's a real danger that they would use him to, to, to rise up against David. And yet he lets him live in this unexpected, outrageous outpouring of kindness. Kindness is unexpected. And you know, I think it's probably even more unexpected in today's world. We live, we do live in a society where kindness just, it's just not the norm. Um, when, the, when, when the COVID pandemic hit, um, there was, it, it kind of felt like there was this monumental shift in society. You know, we all had to do something for other people all of a sudden, albeit enforced. Um, But, you know, people stayed at home to protect other people. People who were furloughed went out and volunteered at things like food banks and, and other stuff. Donations for food banks and other charities skyrocketed, like at no point has it done before or since. There was this massive outpouring of kindness but it didn't last. It didn't endure, however good it was for that small time. The 12 weeks that we were all promised it would be went on and on. And several years later, people were bored of being, of being kind. They were bored of putting other people before themselves. As a vulnerable family, it was a really hard thing to accept that the people who had once gone, you stay at home, don't go out, will get you everything that you need, were the same people who said the exact opposite. Suddenly, there were people who said, um, uh, I was once told, do you not think that people like us have sacrificed enough for people like you? And before we roll our eyes at the people outside the church, that was someone from church. Kindness doesn't endure. Not in the world that is out there. Do you know volunteer organizations up and down the country of of churches and of all different types have less volunteers now than they have ever had before? Kindness in the real world is not enduring. And yet, what an opportunity is that for us as a church? What an opportunity. You know, the church is, by and large, in decline, and it has been for a long time. And I think one of the many reasons that the church is in decline is that for so long, we've spent so long trying to fit in with the world outside that we forgot that we were supposed to be different. But what a great opportunity for the church to be marked out as the people who show kindness. For the people who show kindness, uh, not just once, but again and again and again. For people who don't show kindness so they can pat themselves on the back and say, aren't we great, we feel good about ourselves. But people who show kindness because they long for people to meet with the king whose, whose kindness they first received. What an opportunity for us. Because that's the kind of kindness that grows the kingdom. I'm not talking about random acts of kindness. Nice though they can be. 
I'm not talking about chucking a little bit in a bucket somewhere. I'm not talking about, yeah, letting the person in front of you in Morrison's going, you know, in the queue go in front of you. I'm talking about the outrageous, unexpected, like overfill the bucket kind of kindness that David showed Jonathan's son. Because that is the kind of kindness that we will see the kingdom grow as a result of. Because you see, the kindness that David shows Jonathan's son is, is essentially the roadmap for the grace and the love and the kindness that God first showed us. You know, Jonathan's son is there and he's in hiding and he's scared and he's weak and he's lame and he's afraid. How many of us were all those things before we met Jesus? David went out and he saw out and he went out to look and find Jonathan's son. And so we have a king who sought us out and called us his own long before we knew him. Jonathan's son was separated from the king because of the actions of his ancestors. We are separated from our king because of the actions of our ancestors and because of our own sinful actions as well. And yet the king seeks us out and he offers us a place at his table. And he says, come, eat and drink forever. And all we have to do is humbly accept his offer. Our kindness should come from the covenant that we have with God. It should be a kindness that endures and a kindness that seeks to show the kindness of God to others. It should be a kindness that follows the kindness that God has given us. Just like David went out and he saw out Jonathan's son. So we are called to go out and to find the weak and the, and the lame and those who are scared and those who are hiding. And we are called to show them kindness. We are called to go out and be with those people who the world says do not deserve kindness. And we should heap twice as much kindness on them. We are called to go out and show kindness to these guys, to these people, so that they might come to know Jesus. What an opportunity for us as a church to show kindness to one another, to show true, enduring kindness to the people who are outside of our church family so that they might be drawn in, so that we might all sit around the king's table and eat and drink for all eternity. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we, we thank you that you are the Lord of unfailing love and kindness. We thank you that we are only here because you first loved us. 
because you first forgave us. Because you first poured out your kindness upon us. And so we come before you. We come before you as your children. We come before you as your disciples. We come before you as heirs of your kingdom. And Lord, we ask that you would help us. Help us to show your true fruit of kindness to those people that we meet. Lord, help us to move beyond being nice. Help us to show the kind of kindness that reflects your image and your nature and your glory. Lord, we just want to acknowledge that sometimes showing kindness is hard. Sometimes we find it difficult to show kindness to certain people, perhaps. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come and that by the power of your spirit, you would change our hearts. Would you help us to see people as you see them? Would you help us to love them as you love them? So that we might be better placed to be, to share your kindness with them. Lord, we especially think of governments and leaders who perhaps we disagree with. Who perhaps we think don't deserve kindness. Lord, help us to be kind to them, even in just giving us a desire to pray your blessing upon them. offer you our own hearts sometimes Lord we know that it is hard to show kindness to others when we are hurting because of the unkindness that has been done to us Father where our hearts have begun to harden where bitterness has begun to creep in Lord, would you heal our hearts and those wounds? Would you take away anything that stands in our way of showing your kindness? Would you just come, Lord, and heal us with your loving kindness so that we might learn to show your love and your grace and your kindness to others just as you have done for us? we do all of this as we do it we we once again we want to come before you and commit ourselves to you and to your service 
by the power of your spirit, Lord, would you equip us? Would you give us all that we need in order to shine your light and your love to those people that we meet? Lord, may it not be about our own niceness and goodness, but may it be about introducing other people to you and seeing your kingdom come.